John 20, 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, was one of the, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Is that it? Okay, you're doing a second part? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Jesus returning and talking to his disciples. Her hiding away behind a locked door, hiding away in fear. Hiding away in fear. Which was the state of the disciples for a little while, and understandably so. I mean, the Romans were after him, the Jewish leaders were after them. They were not safe. And they were scared, and they had no confidence in their own abilities whatsoever. They didn't know what to do. And I am certain they were all tied up in can't. I cannot. I cannot go outside. I cannot continue to preach. I cannot say I'm a follower of Jesus out in public. I cannot. It's impossible. And in truth, it was not impossible. They could, if they didn't mind being arrested and maybe dying the same way Jesus did. They could, if they didn't mind the grief that would come with it, or possibly the ridicule. They could. So really, their can't was a won't. And that's important. It's important to recognize in our life the difference between our can'ts and our won'ts. If there is something that is absolutely impossible for you to do, you should either get help from someone who can do it or give up. But there are very few things in our life which are impossible for us to do. And most of the things we say are can'ts are really won'ts. I won't devote the energy to that. I won't allow that kind of change in my life because I'm comfortable with the devil I know, as they say. 
Most of our can'ts are won'ts. But then Jesus does this amazing thing. He breathes on them. Now when I was a kid, when I read that, I would think, ooh, this guy's been dead for a few days. But I'm told I shouldn't be a kid anymore. And we know from past discussions that the word for breath in the Hebrew is ruah, in the Greek is pneuma, and the word for breath is also the word for wind, it's also the word for spirit. So Jesus was ruahing all over them. He was pneumaing all over them. He was pushing the Holy Spirit into them. I, I explained my take on the Holy Spirit to uh, a young woman who was raised in this church, but who never quite understood a way to think of the Holy Spirit that would work for her. And I said to her, you know those times in church when it just feels amazing? Like you're all together singing or you're all together doing something and everything clicks and you just feel this warmth and this power flow through you? And she said, yes. And I said, that is the movement of the Holy Spirit. She said, okay, I still don't understand it. And I said, well, think about it this way then. What are the elements of that equation? What is happening when that Holy Spirit is moving? There's a group of people. That group of people together are working at something. They are together focused on the work of God. And the Spirit moves not in the air, but through them. So maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit is when that little bit of God inside me combines with that little bit of God inside you and her and him and her and him and together it grows into something powerful. The Holy Spirit, perhaps, exists when we put our hands, our hearts, our minds together for the cause of Christ. And she sat back and she said, I can go with that. Why didn't you ever say that before? <laughs> so, and this is what happens here. There is a gathering of the disciples, all full of can'ts, which are really won'ts, and the one thing they lack is the recognition of their own power and their own ability and their own blessedness in the eyes of God. And then suddenly, this, this rabbi, this Messiah who was dead, is standing there before them, confirming the fact that what they had heard was true, that they couldn't kill him, that he was something more than just a man. And he's breathing this ruah, this fresh wind, this spirit into them. And suddenly they recognize that wasn't a can't, that wasn't a won't, that was a won't. And all I have to do to go from will not to will is eliminate that second word, and it's a will. And so then we get Peter, who was afraid to say he was a follower of Jesus even in front of a servant girl. We get Peter, who denied him three times. We get Peter, who hid and hid doing this just a little while later. This is from Acts 5, starting at the 17th 
verse. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. Do you you understand what they're doing now? Now, you got the temple, and right next to the temple is the headquarters of the Roman garrison. So you have the high priest and all of his assistants who arrested Jesus in the first place and first screamed out for his blood. And right next door you have all the Roman soldiers who carried him off, tortured him, and executed him. And Peter is marching right into the teeth of that suddenly to preach. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. The chief priests were suddenly afraid of the crowd. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter, Peter, the illiterate fisherman, Peter who had to be told everything three times, Peter who messed up over and over again, right? That Peter? Remember that Peter? I imagine once in a while Jesus probably thought, Why did I pick this guy? That Peter. Peter and the apostles answered, to these people who have the power of life and death over them, we must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. That took guts. That took strength. That was an act of sheer will in the face of great threat and great danger, what Peter says there. Peter, that simple guy, that simple guy who is so befuddled and confused and scared just a few days ago, Suddenly, he is staring death in the jaws and preaching to it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit goes on. You really should read this book if you never have. It's got great stories in it. There's, there's a Pharisee on the council named Gamaliel who hears all of this. And as the high priest, in response to Peter's speech, the high priest start to call for his death. And Gamaliel stands up and he says, hold on. Wait a minute. 
And he says, paraphrasing a little here, you can't throw a rock around Jerusalem without hitting someone who claims to be the Messiah. And they dry up and they blow away. Now then, if this guy is not the Messiah, he and his followers are going to dry up and blow away. But if he is the Messiah, you are setting your works against God's. That too, my friend, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know that Gamaliel was a follower of Jesus at this point. But he felt the power of the testimony he had just seen. He felt the power of Peter and the other disciples standing there just like Jesus had stood there a few days before and saying, no, we obey God, not human authority. Kill us if you must, but we're going to continue to tell the truth. And I got to think the Holy Spirit was flowing in the room. And it got into him too. And it strengthened him in a way that he could stand up and reason and say, no, don't do this. If it's not of God, it's going to die on its own. If it is of God, then you are in serious error by fighting it. The power of the Holy Spirit changing from can't to will not to will. God's will worked in us and we will go forward and do God's will. And not just us alone. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works mostly where two or more are gathered in his name. It is the strength God gives one to help the strength of another, to help the strength of another. And soon you have this synergy of things that can happen. And it's why churches work. It's, it's why faith communities work. It's why anywhere where two or more are gathered in his name works. Because even if you don't believe in yourself, there are other people who do. And they believe you can do what you don't think you can do. And they can help you see that you can do the things you think you can't, if they're right to do. They are willing to lend their bit of Holy Spirit to you. So often, so often in our lives, we sell ourselves short. We stop short. And that's the biggest problem we have with the world today. You know, when you meet most people one-on-one, -on -one, they're pretty decent, aren't they? You can usually find a way to talk to any individual if you're stuck in an elevator with them. You know, or you're waiting for a bus or a train or an airplane. Or your car's broken down and you're waiting for AAA to get there. You can usually find some common ground to talk with someone about. And the Holy Spirit loves that. The Holy Spirit loves it when we make a connection with another human being and the power of one becomes the power of two, becomes the power of 10, becomes the power of 10,000 or 10 million or a billion. Because those little connections are useful. When we gather at a place like this, we aren't playing around. We're connecting to each other in a way that will be helpful to all. And we're not here to pay the heat bill, though it's a good thing to pay the heat bill. We're not here to keep the place running because it's what our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did. We're here for each other and for the power that moves through a group of people gathered with their eyes on God. We're here to help those who are downtrodden, to see, 
that they're about to be lifted up. We're here to help those who struggle with their struggles until a time where their struggles disappear and they continue to last. It's the power of the Holy Spirit and it dwells right in that space between can't and won't. It dwells right in there and just waits for us to share our confidence with someone else. Waits for us to share our experience and our wisdom with someone who's going through what we've already gone through. It waits for our sympathy and our empathy for those going through things we, we can't even imagine going through ourselves. The medium of the Holy Spirit that started with Jesus breathing on those disciples and continued with Gamaliel who heard what they said in that hostile environment and then would spill out from there through the disciples to dozens and hundreds and thousands, house church by house church, street corner by street corner, synagogue by synagogue, church by church, greeting by greeting. You and I, my friends, are great conduits of the Holy Spirit. We are vessels, we are clay jars that hold this incredible blessing inside. You'd be absolutely right to start going up right now. <laughs> we hold this blessing inside. And when we pool it with others, we end up with amazing blessing. There are plenty of people out there who will focus on the dark side, on the bad things that happen. Our job is to light one candle. One little candle extinguishes all the darkness. The next sunrise eliminates the dark of night. It's there and it's waiting for us to acknowledge, to live, and to share with each other. It's not a won't, it's a will. God's will meaning that you will too. Amen.